Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, if you got your Bibles tonight, let's uh, open up to Big John, the Gospel according to John. Let's go to chapter 14, and uh, we'll look again at verse 12. And uh, this is our second installment on the healing ministry of Jesus. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord to help us. I know I need help to speak. I know that you need help to hear. And so that's uh, really one of the biggest ministries that the Holy Spirit has in our heart is to lead us and to guide us and to reveal all truth to us. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord God, that you're here, you're in us, and we thank you, Holy One, that we have an unction and anointing from the Holy One, and we know all things. So we believe by a work uh, of you in our heart that we will see with our spirits, we'll not just necessarily hear with our mind, Lord, but we will see and understand with our heart. And in that we will grow, in that we will have light upon our path, And we just thank you, Lord, for developing us, discipling us in Jesus' name. Everyone believe and said amen. Amen. So how many of you know that Jesus went about and healed? And so it's important for us to know how he did that. And so here in John 14, 12, Jesus is speaking. And he makes a profound statement. And he said that he that believeth on me, how many people here tonight and out there watching uh, on the live stream, how many of you believe that Jesus healed? Amen. Amen. And so he said that he that believeth on me, again, that's us, right? He says that we're going to do the works that he did. Now, with our intellect, that seems impossible because Jesus was the son of God and we're not a child of, or, you know, a son of God. We're not God. So how are we expected to do his works? Well, we got into that last week and found out that Jesus didn't necessarily do his works of ministry because he was the son of God. He did it as a man, anointed or empowered or enabled by the Holy Spirit that was upon him. Amen? And it's, it's pretty obvious that that's the case because Jesus didn't do a miracle until after he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. Amen. Amen. Then began his ministry of miracles. So he says, the works that I do shall you do also. And then he says, greater work shall you do. That's pretty profound, isn't it? And so we're looking at the works of Jesus because he tells us that we're to do his works. Amen. We're to do his works. We looked at Matthew 9.35 and we found out that the ministry or the works of Jesus were primarily threefold. 
First and foremost, he went and taught. So if I'm going to do his works, I'm going to teach. And that's not necessarily a, a public teaching ministry, but certainly we have to teach our children. You know, it was interesting to me years ago, I was talking to a parent, and I'm talking years ago. And this individual uh, began to explain, you know, his role as a parent. And he says, well, you know, I don't want to push what I believe off on my children. I want them to go out and into the world and figure it out for themselves. And I thought to myself, well, that's just ignorance gone to seed. Right? I mean, uh, it's up to us, if we're considering the welfare of our children, is that we need to discover truth. And then convey that truth to our children. Amen? So then they can embrace that truth and then in return impart that truth to their children. Amen? And so first and foremost, Jesus taught, and so we've got to be teachers. And we teach not just by what we say, but what we do. Sometimes, you know, how we behave uh, speaks more loudly than what we say. Everyone believes that, says, yeah, you're right. Mm, you got one tonight. Number two, he preached. Remember the difference between teaching and preaching? Teaching, you're explaining. You're connecting the dots. You're line upon line, right? You're explaining. And then to preach is to proclaim or to get you excited or motivated to do what you've been taught. Hallelujah. Uh, how many of your parents did a lot of exhorting when you were under their authority? Get out of bed or I'm going to dump a glass of water on top of you. That's exhortation. Amen. My mommy did that because I, I was not a morning person back in the day. And I used to get wet rags. I used to get cups of water. I used to get loud music. I got all sorts of things trying to wake me up. That's preaching. That's exhortation. Amen. Motivating you to do. And then the, the, the smallest percentage of what Jesus did in his ministry is that he healed. You see that? Matthew 9, 25, he taught, he preached, and then he healed or did miracles. You know, I think if we interviewed most Christians, they would have that in reverse. They, they would figure he did miracles more than anything else, and then he preached, and then he taught. But it's just the opposite. Amen. So you and I are to teach. You and I are to preach. And you and I are to heal. Hallelujah. Did you, did, have you ever really seen yourself in that light? Doing the works of Jesus? I think that would be something new to a lot of people. You know, I, I think we have a... Obviously, we give Jesus a special place. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior and the Messiah. But he humbled himself and became as a man. He became as an example to us on how we should live and how we should act, and, and those things that we're to do as his representative. Amen. And that's why we take so much time uh, coming under the sound of his voice to get to that place where he can use us for ministry. Now, let's get down to the brass tacks of, the, of what we're studying, the healing ministry of Jesus, because we're going to have our healing ministry the same way. We're going to heal the same way he did. Amen. And so we're looking at four areas 
in how Jesus healed. And last week, we looked at the first way, is that Jesus healed by speaking the word. By speaking the word. It says in Matthew 8, beginning in verse 5, it says that when Jesus came into Capernaum, the centurion came to him, and that's a, a Roman soldier. I guess we could call him an officer. I think he had at least 100 men under him. Some say maybe 1,000. And so he was one that was used to telling people what to do as part of his responsibility. Well, as a, as a believer, we got to start learning how to tell the realm of darkness what it's going to do and telling our body what it's going to do and speaking to those circumstances like Jesus spoke to heal this uh, servant of the centurion. Amen? I think it's kind of foreign to us. When things begin to happen in our body, sometimes we, we kind of bow our knee to it, thinking, well, that's just normal. And to the world, it is. I said, to the world, it is. You know, that's that life cycle that they see. And you and I have been influenced by that. Right? You know, we, we know all about flu season. Right? And it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, I've got an app. It's uh, called the, the Weather App. And when I go to it, not only does it, first of all, tell me what the weather is, but then right below that, and I didn't ask for it, they stick it in there as... A courtesy, I suppose. They give me the flu index. You know, with all these graphs and charts and everything. At first, I thought it was an index to the weather, and so I started reading it to see what was going on. I'm going, wait a second. The flu uh, index, that's of the devil, right? That's the devil index. <laughs> and so it's just, we're, we're just being conditioned, we're being programmed. To just uh, begin accepting things. And so Jesus showed us that a lot of times that he spoke the circumstances. He spoke to sicknesses. He, he spoke to those that were being oppressed of the devil. Amen? And so a lot of times the, the Lord's going to use you just by speaking to a, a sickness or to a a condition in somebody's body. And first and for foremost, you and I have to learn how to do that for ourselves. Amen. 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 Especially, you know, there's this, a lot, of, a lot of us as we get older, there's this consensus that you can't do anything about that process. Oh, you're just getting older. Oh, okay. That means the Holy Ghost in me is getting lesser as I get older. No, it's the same Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 same, the same resurrection power that was in me when I was 30 yeah, that's right. is in me now. Amazing. I said the same resurrection power that was in me years ago, that same power is still in me today. Amen? Amen? 
And we've got to stop buying into these things that we have to have. Yeah. You know the aches and pains? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Getting our, you know, prescriptions increased for our glasses? <laughs> things along those lines? Yeah. We've got to start speaking to some things. Amen. Here lately, I, I, I find myself speaking to my eyes, speaking to my sinuses, seeking to my joints and a lot of other parts of my body. Amen? Amen. Because faith is released. Creative power is released. Healing power, resurrection power is released by what we say. Jesus showed us that. And so we're going to have to operate the same way. And I referenced uh, Matthew 8, 5 with the centurion, Matthew 8, 13. Jesus said to him, as, as you hath believed, because he told Jesus, all you got to do is speak the word, my servant shall be healed. And Jesus told him, as you hath believed, it's done unto you. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. Amen. The second way that Jesus, that, we, that Jesus brought healing to the sick was by and through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's uh, just real briefly, you got your Bible, your Bible app. Go on over to 1 Corinthians. And uh, go to chapter 11. And here we, we find the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now understand that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is the doorway into these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. And there's there's and that's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't think in this in this hour in which we live that there's not a, there's just not enough teaching on the Holy Spirit. And we're starting to lose uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And if you go through the book of Acts, the moving of the Holy Spirit was really the primary focus of Acts, was the Holy Spirit working through the believer. And we need to come back for that. We need to come back to that. It's, it's, not, it's not that the, that the Lord is doing less by his spirit in our midst, is us not yielding as much as we used to, to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so here he's listing nine gifts, or some people call them manifestations of the Holy Spirit or expressions of the Holy Spirit, and three of them say something. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. There's three of them that do something. Right? Special faith. Uh, gifts of healing. The working of miracles. And there's three that, that reveal something. And that's either the discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge. Understand that the potential for you and I to walk in these nine manifestations begins... The moment that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. 
Hallelujah. And in reality, the more you and I speak in other tongues, the more consistent and the more often that gifts will manifest through you. Let me say that again. That, that did, I don't know. I didn't really, didn't seem like you caught that one. Looked like it was an incomplete pass. <laughs> and I've seen this in my own life. You know, I'm thinking, well, we just haven't had that many manifestations of the Holy Ghost in our church. What's going on? And then, it, you know, the light comes on. Well, how, how much have you been praying the Holy Ghost? Oh. <laughs> Anytime that it seems like God is withholding from us, newsflash, he isn't. There's something we're doing. I said there's something we're doing. Hallelujah. Understand this is that when the, the Bible talks about, you're over there in 1 Corinthians, right? Go, go a couple of pages to the right or a couple of chapters to the right. Go to chapter 14 and look at verse 4. And it says that he that speaketh, he that does what? Speaketh. In an unknown tongue. That is, when we yield to the Holy Spirit and we form the words that he gives us and we speak them out from our heart through our lips. It says that that person who's praying in that heavenly language or what the Bible calls tongues, it says that that individual is edified. One translation says, being built up on their most holy faith. That word edify denotes being charged like a battery. Charged like a battery. You and I need to get in the habit to speak in tongues every day. Every day. And, And really... At first, you've got to start forcing yourself to do that. Yeah. You've got to be mindful to do that. And uh, I know a lot of us think that we're really busy, but there, there's, so many, there's so many places in our daily routine to pray in other tongues. I mean, how much time do we spend driving the car? Yeah. <laughs> right? How many times do we you know, spend you know, where we could be under our breath praying, speaking in an unknown tongue. And the interesting thing about being edified by speaking in other tongues is there's no evidence that you're being built up. Well, that makes sense. If edify means to charge like a battery, well, that makes sense. Like, I'll, I'll charge the battery in my car when it becomes low and it's unable to start that car, and I don't see any evidence that that battery's charged. Right. Right. Until I put a demand on the battery. Amen. And our edification, our being built up on our most holy faith by praying in other tongues, you won't recognize it until there's a demand. And then all of a sudden, there he is, the Holy Most. Right? 
the Holy Ghost is there to help. Praise God. And it's tremendous. So, you know, I don't think sometimes we recognize how often Jesus separated himself to pray. Didn't say he was separated to go watch TV. Doesn't say that he was separated to be, you know, on social media. Didn't say he was, you know, separated himself on the mountain so he could hook up with a world wide web. <laughs> he was talking to the Lord. He's getting edified. He's getting recharged. And a lot of times those revelation gifts were working where he was in the presence of God and he saw what he was going to do the next day. And he just walked things out. I said, he just walked things out. Amen. He just did what he saw. And so, a lot of times, we feel like that, that God only uses the gifts of the Spirit with those that are in public ministry. That's the furthest thing from the truth. I said, that's the furthest thing from the truth. As we develop our prayer life, as we develop spending time in the presence of God, you'll start sensing those spirits begin to move on you. You'll start sensing revelation coming to you. You'll start sensing a, a, a healing power rising up inside of you. And you'll start recognizing, you know, messages from God. And you and I need, need to give place to them in a private setting. Begin practicing the gifts of the Spirit at home. Hallelujah. I first learned how to drive a car in the parking lot yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 12 years old. In a 1955 four-door Chevy with a straight six and three on the tree. And I was driving that, that car in the Penn Fruit Shopping Center, their big parking lot, all afternoon. I even got into second gear one time in a parking lot. Well, you know, you want to practice some things, you know, in, in the private of your ho own home before you go out and try and work them publicly. Like we get asked ourselves to, you know, sometimes we go, well, I wish the Lord would use me like that. Well, have you, have you, have you been practicing doing that at home? So the second way that Jesus did works of healing were by gifts of the Spirit. Go over to Big John chapter 5. Now, many people judge receiving healing from the Lord when they read scriptures like this one in John that we're about to read. 
and they think that God's going to move and bring healing to them this way all the time. But understand that one caveat of the gifts of the healing is that they always operate as God wills. So you could be waiting a while to receive healing in this method. So here's Jesus in chapter 5 of John in verse 1. And it was, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there was at Jerusalem by a sheep market a pool. I'm not sure that that's a good location for a swimming pool. That'd be like next to a feedlot. Yuck. I, I lived in Johnstown for several years and it has its own aroma. I think that entire city is surrounded by feedlots. True that. When you get out in Will County, they, they, they get her done for sure. And so, and this, this location was called Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. And we're talking about some people with some pretty serious conditions. I mean, some of them were blind. Some of them had halts. Some of them had wither limbs. And they were waiting for something. They were waiting for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Apparently, an angel would come down in a, at a certain season and would come into the pool and would stir or trouble the water. And whichever person that was sitting around this pool, the very first one that went into the water was made whole of whatever disease he had. Now notice that it's God initiating this. And man is simply responding to what God is initiating. And there was a certain man there that had an infirmity 30 and eight years. Oh my goodness, that's a long time. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, said unto him, Now, how did Jesus know that he had that condition for 38 years? It's probably a word of knowledge. A gift of the Holy Spirit. Religious people think that Jesus knew everything in his earthly ministry because he was God. He did not. He did not. If he knew everything, then why was he, as a 12-year-old, discussing scriptures with the scribes at church or in the synagogue? Remember, he emptied himself. He had to find himself in Scripture. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And he asked this man a, a question. Will thou be made whole? Now, again, remember, Jesus 
asked a lot of questions because that he did that to locate people. Before you minister to anybody, you need to locate them. We make too many assumptions. It was like this afternoon when we were at the nursing home when we had this one man that's been in our services for months and months. And, you know, you see him praising the Lord, you, 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 you talk to him and you can tell that he, you know, knows about the Lord Jesus. You make the assumption that he, that he loves the Lord Jesus. And then this, this afternoon I found out that uh, he knew about the Lord, but he didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Well, I found out by asking him questions. Sometimes we just make so many assumptions that, that we kind of get ahead of ourselves. Kind of get ahead of ourselves. And so Jesus wanted to see where he was at. And uh, the impotent man answered and said, I don't have a man. I don't have someone to help me. Because when the angel comes and troubles the water and... and uh, and while I'm coming, it takes me a long time because of my physical condition. Someone else steps down in before me. In verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now here we see Jesus speaking to him. Now what did he tell the man to do? So apparently he's in a lying condition there. Understand that even when the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation, we have to respond to them by faith. You won't see very often. I think I heard it said, you know, one in a thousand times. That someone will receive something from the Lord with absolutely no interaction by the individual. And the answer to that is very simple. I mean, God will not override our wills. Amen. So apparently, this guy responded to what Jesus said and began to get up. What, what was he doing? He was acting on the word. Amen. Wasn't he? Yes. Yes. And it says in verse 9 that immediately after he began to get up, the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Bad Jesus. Bad Jesus healing people on the Sabbath. <laughs> oh, what was he thinking? Well, he was thinking that the Holy Spirit's moving regardless of what day it is, and I'm going to allow him to move through me. Amen. And so understand that, that Jesus worked with these three power gifts as they were. He worked the, the working of miracles. He worked with special faith. 
and he worked with the gifts, plural, of healing. There is a gift of healing for every sickness of the human body. Some have said probably 39, because that's how many stripes Jesus received. By his stripes you were healed. Every time he was struck with the whip that a sickness, a classification of sickness, was placed on Jesus to be our scapegoat, to be our lamb, to bear away every variety of sickness that was known to man. Hallelujah. Number three, Jesus healed through the laying on of hands. Well, that sounds vaguely familiar. Jesus healed through the laying on of hands. Huh. Isn't that interesting that he commissioned us to lay hands on the sick? Look what it says over here in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It says that signs are going to follow or accompany them that believe. This is talking about you and I. He says that in my name, in the name of Jesus, you're going to take authority over devils. You're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to Take up serpents, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. And you shall lay hands, everybody say, lay hands, on the sick, and the sick will recover. You're going to lay your hands on who? On the sick. And what happens to the sick? They recover. Now understand that You can lay hands on someone by allowing a gift of the Spirit to work through you. And if it's not in manifestation, you can lay hands on someone who is sick by faith. Well, that's that's interesting. Go over to Acts. Did you hear what I said? You and I can either lay hands on someone through a gift of the Holy Spirit or we can just simply lay hands on them by faith. Now go to the third chapter of John. I'm sorry, Acts. I'm looking at John here in this testimony. Acts 3.1. It talks about Peter and John. And they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Remember this this man who had never walked? That he was lame, verse 2, from his mother's womb. And you understand that, that the Jews believed that if anyone was born blind, born deaf, born lame, born with any kind of a, a sickness or a, uh, a condition is that they, they had it because they were cursed of God. That either the parents sinned 
or somehow in the mother's womb, the baby sinned. I'll tell you, religion just goes, woohoo. And so they would, they would be looked upon as being secondary people or lesser people than someone else. Years ago, there was a movie out called Children of a Lesser God. That made me so mad because it was about a deaf, a deaf woman that was born that way. That just <clears throat> irritated me. I get so mad when God gets to blame for something the devil has done. Well, this man was born lame. And he, he'd been lame all his life. And so when he's at the temple, asking and begging for, for money, surely Jesus passed him a couple of times. Isn't that interesting? Why didn't Jesus heal him? Well, there was a reason. A good one, by the way. <laughs> Amen. Maybe Jesus was waiting for a gift of the Spirit to manifest. Because he didn't perceive this man had faith to be healed. See, understand that for the most part, there's always an exchange in this realm of miracles, in the realm of healing. There's someone who God is using to give the miracle, but there has to be someone to receive the miracle. And if, if both of them aren't in place, then that's why Jesus went around and taught most of the time, to prepare the person to receive. Amen? So here comes Peter and John. Now check this out. This guy stuck out his palm and asked for an alm. You remember the song? And in verse 6, it says that Peter said to him in response to this beggar asking for money, he says, silver and gold have I none. And I don't believe that. He had money, but he wasn't led by the Spirit to give him it. I don't have none for you. How many of you know that you don't give everybody something that's on the side of the road? Amen. And how many know there's some relatives that, you, you know, you've got to be led by the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That just means that you're a good steward. Hallelujah. Gee, it gets quiet when you start talking about that. So if he doesn't have any money to give this man then what does he have? He says, such as I have, give I thee. Well, he's got the name of Jesus. 
I said he's got the name of Jesus. Do we sometimes forget that? Hello? Now, he said, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then he was bold enough that he took him by his right hand and lifted him up. To me, that means that this man wasn't initiating anything on his side of the bargain. That's, that's having faith in the name of Jesus. He took him by the right hand, he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength, and he leaped up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. But you know, not, not everybody was happy. Because Peter begins to preach. It's amazing how you get people's attention when a miracle takes place. I've heard it said this way, that miracles are the dinner bell for the gospel. That's why we need signs and wonders. That's why we need signs and wonders, because people are natural. The unsaved are natural. And when they begin to see the power of God in operation, it draws them to Christ. And so he begins to, he begins to preach. And look at the explanation that he gives in verse 16. He says that his name... Through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him that hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, that verse right there tells me that that wasn't a gift of the Spirit. Because he said it was faith in the name of Jesus. Faith is initiated by you and I. The gifts are as God wills. The operation of faith is as I will. You mean to tell me that, you know, I can, I can have a regular diet of miracles? No, I didn't say that at all. The Bible says it. Where we're lacking, we, you and I, where we're lacking is our confidence in that name. Faith in that name. And not so overcome by circumstances. Amen. It's interesting that this truth of how he was healed 
is also repeated in the next chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Then Peter, you with me, 4 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, so they're under, you know, indictment, right? They're trying to impeach them, you know, based on lies. If this day we be examined of a good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ. How? By the name. You and I have the name. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, in my name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Wow. It's awesome. And, and that thought always comes. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? Well, that's not up to you. Why are you thinking about that? It's not your name. We've been commissioned to use it. Not to wonder why or why not. It, it may or may not work. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't we? That, prior, that tells me I really don't have faith in that name if I'm thinking of that. <laughs> see where the problem is with us? See where the problem is with me? Apparently, Peter and John didn't think that way. They got a name that's above every name. It's above that condition, glory to God. It was as if Jesus himself grabbed his hand and said, get up and walk in my name. Hallelujah. He goes on to tell them, yeah, this Jesus that you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Do you see what these miracles do? They prove and bring evidence to the resurrection of Jesus because when you use his name and miracles take place, it proves he's still alive. Brother Hagen tells the story. He was, I guess he was having some kind of a tent meeting or something. And uh, he saw some guy storm in to the meeting. You know, kind of storm into the meeting. And you could tell that he probably hadn't been in church before or very often. And somehow Brother Hagen was drawn to him. And then all of a sudden, he caught himself saying, You! You back there! Stand up! He, he, it just 
rose up and bubbled out of him, and he didn't even realize it was him that was talking when he heard that said. And this man back there stands up and says, You talking to me, preacher? And, and Brother Hagin says, Come down here. And the guy's just, they're just kind of having this stare off. Brother Hagin points his finger at him. He says, before you came here tonight, you told your wife, ah, I'll go, but I'm not going to like it. You said all those preachers there, I don't believe a thing they said. You told her that they hypnotized people. And he just started saying everything that he had said to his wife before they came to this meeting. Just read his mail. It was a gift of the Spirit. It was a word of knowledge. He told that man everything he said to his wife before he came here. I'll go, but blah, 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 blah. And after this, this man heard that, he just came running down the aisle. And just slid into the altar. And when he raised up his, his head, you know, it was just kind of like he was sliding into second base. And when he raised up his head from sliding in underneath the altar, he was speaking in other tongues. Well, evidently, he got saved on the way down. You see, when God starts moving like that, <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit. This is why we got to be bold. This is why we got to be bold. Anybody know what time it is? Oh, we got 10 minutes. Better yell at me a couple minutes before, because before you know it, it'll be 12 after. So, look at Mark 8.23. Here's Jesus. Remember we're talking about laying hands on the sick? Here's Jesus. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Sometimes I wonder if that's why the Lord had us, had us build the church out here. I've had people say, boy, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> out of that place of unbelief. Out from under that place of religious thinking. There's several times you'll see that Jesus would take people out of their environment. Or he would kick people out of his environment. I don't think it impacted him as much as it impacted those he was ministering to. He took him out of town. It says that he spit on his eyes. And you got to be led by the Spirit to do that. Just so you know. 
He's not saying that's a doctrine and we spit on people. Amen. You're led by the Spirit. I'm happy to report I haven't spit on anyone so far. But it ain't over yet. But then it says he put his hands upon him. And healing came. Mark 7, 32. And they brought unto him one that was deaf and had an impotent in his speech. And they besought him to put his hand upon him. See, they began to put two and two together. Mark 5.23. And they besought Jesus greatly, because my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her. Why? That she may be healed and that she shall live. So in the same way that Jesus ministered that way, through the laying on of hands, that's a doctrine of the church. I believe it's Hebrews 6, 2. It's one of the doctrines, laying on of hands. It's a point of contact of transference of what is coming through you to another individual. Amen? I can, I can remember several times that, that in worship I would sense, I don't want to use the word energy, life would come out from my hands towards the Lord as I worshiped. You see, when, when the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands to the Lord, it's, it's an exchange, just like it is when you lay hands on somebody. And faith that's in you will be imparted to assist someone else to receive what God has already purchased for them. You, you see through Scripture that, that over there in Acts uh, 13, it, is they separated individuals into the ministry and imparted spiritual gifts to them through the laying on of hands. Healing power is not the only thing that gets transferred in, out of our hands when you do it by faith. You can impart spiritual gifts. You can impart strength. Two weeks ago, I imparted a blessing to Paul. Well, I, that's all right, huh? I didn't bless him. God blessed him through me. But, you know, these, these hands... Are, 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 are used in, 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 in such a way. We need to become conscious. Which hand do you use? Which one has God anointed? Some of you, it's both of them. You feel heat or anointing in both hands. So then you better get both hands on those people. 
Me, I sense it in my right hand. I'm glad you got it in both. But as you're sensitive to it, you know, wait for the anointing. Wait for the cooperation. Wait for the assistance from the one who's in you. I think sometimes we just, we just, just jump in there too quick. Let's do it by faith. Let's do it by the, the leading of the Lord. And uh, just get your hand on people. Get your hand on your kids. Get your hands on your grandkids. You'll see how the patri patriarchs of old would transfer a blessing upon their loved ones before they left the earth. They would command that which was on them to come on them. Remember when um, that, what was the one kid? Was it, was it Israel? who put the fur on his, on his hand, the twins. Esau, right? And uh, he pretended he was his oldest brother, and he went in there, and, well, that's because the older brother, you know, bestowed the, told him he could have his blessing. He'd rather eat than have the blessing. You just say how important that is to him. Well, when, when uh, was it Abraham? I can't remember which, which story I'm talking about. Anyway, that patriarch laid hands on him. And when the other son came in to get blessed, the father said, well, it's, it's already been bestowed on your brother. Wow. And so God's uses your hands. Amen. Amen. Yep. How powerful is that? Amen. You see, the only hands that Jesus has on the earth today are yours. Amen. He has to manifest through the body. He's the head. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. We, the body, are down here on the earth. He has to work through you and I. And he wills to work through you and I. Just like Jesus. Many times it's through the laying on of hands. And so we see that in so many places in Scripture. Many times it's a, it's a point of contact to release your faith. But other times actual anointing will flow through you from your spirit and the Holy Spirit that's upon you. Amen. Well, I think that's good for tonight. I didn't get all the way through. That's because I yak too much, but uh, we'll get into it next time, huh? Amen. I want you to stand up and I want us to get a vision for Jesus working through us to have a vision to allow Jesus to do works through us. 
those same works he did on the earth. We need to start seeing him working through us to help people. In teaching. In, you know, exhortation, preaching. And through ministering personally to people. Whether it be through prayer, whether it be through the laying on of hands, whatever it might be. And just let God start manifesting himself through us. Right? And and the the more experience we get, the more yielded we'll become to the anointing that flows through us. And we'll begin developing our faith in that name. And we'll start just operating like Jesus. And the catalyst for all this is compassion. How many times did we see the phrase connected to Jesus that he was moved with compassion? Compassion for someone else makes power available to help them. Compassion for the lost gives you words to speak to them, to draw them to Christ. Compassion is such a a valuable commodity. And it's so lacking in our culture right now because it's a me culture. It's a me culture. And that can get on us. But when we start considering others, Lord, what do they need? What can I do for them? How can I help them? What can I impart to them? I'm telling you, that kind of compassion begins stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. Start stirring up faith. Because faith works by love. And this compassion for others will give you something from him to give to the individuals. So just close your eyes and say, Jesus, you told us in your word that we'd not only do the same works you did, But we would do greater. So we understand that you've placed within us God the Holy Spirit and the faith of God and the Word of God to be an extension of you on the earth. Help me to stir up compassion. Those who are in need. That I might be a vessel. That would reach out to them. Help me to see the giftings I have from you. Help me to develop those giftings. And give us the boldness to use these anointings 
these divine enablements, these giftings to help others. Cause us to be bold, to lay hands on the sick, to speak the word of truth over the sick, and to be one in whom you work through. I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad the snow stopped. I'm glad you came out tonight. Okay. get out of that and, you know Tay Tay's real shy and he was mumbling something I couldn't even understand him and right away Makeva started answering I said no 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 it's not your turn I said Ocean why'd you say the prayer today what'd you get out of it and she, he looked at me she goes I'm going to heaven not hell 